The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Let's go. Hey, no. Come on. Come on. See, I can understand how come they don't fight back. Different worlds, different customs. What? I'm just surprised at how fast you can dismiss oppression as a custom. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, November 5th, 2020. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Oppression as a custom. That's exactly what the COVID-19 masquerade ball is all about establishing, and yet far too few see what so many of us accept as self-evident. Hey, different worlds, different customs, right? The problem with most oppression is that it is self-inflicted and enabled. And it's tough to get terrified and fearful people to even see, let alone understand, the real nature of the pandemic that so paralyzes them. This pandemic of fascism, the masks, that so many people are faithfully wearing when they venture out of their homes are an instrument of pure political submission and nothing else. And as far as health is concerned, the wearing of masks presents an incredible health risk, as we shall proceed to demonstrate throughout our show today. It all begins right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right social media links and our archived broadcasts. And as always, your financial support is appreciated and put to good use. You know, so many people are so stupid. (laughs) As a generality, I do not say this to insult or offend. I do when it comes to individual specifics, of course. But as a generality, I find that fact extremely distressing and disappointing, mostly because they're allowed to vote. And that affects all of us. Irrational voters endorse irrational governments and politicians. And that's what we have today. And the greatest visible symbol of this irrationality is the wearing of masks by perfectly healthy people in an environment where the claimed health risk simply does not exist. So why do so many people so refuse to acknowledge what is self-evident to anyone who cares to look into the whole COVID-19 pandemic in an objective way? What gets in the way of their realization is, I think, two major things. One, the fear of a virus that in no way should be feared to the point of shutdowns and mask wearing. And number two, altruism and virtue signaling. And here's a very simple example. Lessons from the past, reads the headline of the October 27th letter to the editor in the London Free Press, written by Dave M. And I quote, We read and hear about many protests against wearing masks during this pandemic. I would suggest those complaining might be related to the people who protested seatbelt rules and the motorcycle helmet rules so many years ago. How many lives have been saved with those seatbelt and motorcycle helmets? Think about it. End quote. Well, I did think about it, Dave, and I don't think you did. Your argument made is a complete non sequitur, and it is illogical in a COVID-19 context. 
First, with regard to seatbelts and helmets, not wearing them was never claimed to save the lives of others, as is being done with masking arguments. By supporting seatbelt legislation, Dave is therefore very explicitly saying that individuals do not have a right to take personal risks with their own lives. And that's immoral. You know, a better driving analogy to make his point would be laws that mandated which side of the road we drive on, because that indisputably affects the other guy. But even so, it's still in the self-interest of the driver to stick to the right side of the road. Do I really need to be forced by law to act in my own self-interest and safety? I wear the seatbelt because I've chosen to do so, not because the government has a gun. Second, seatbelt laws are unnecessary, merely allowing authorities to penalize for a failure to comply. But masks are an entirely different matter. We're told that we must wear them to protect others. We must isolate ourselves to protect others. We must stop having our holiday celebrations and family gatherings to protect others. Give me a break from all of this self-sacrificing at the altar of altruism. That's what it is. And Dave clearly doesn't give a crap about the millions of lives destroyed by the shutdowns and forced mask wearings. Where is his concern for others when it's not about COVID-19? And remember, I'm not particularly picking on Dave, but I am challenging all of the people who think like this. And more alarming than seemingly innocent letters to the editor are articles passing themselves off as news reports, like the following one I clipped from the October 27th print edition of the London Free Press. Headline, Dangerous Anti-Mask Rally Makes Aylmer Look Foolish. Written by Max Martin, local journalism initiative reporter. Quote, a rally in Aylmer during the weekend, at which more than 150 people flouted distancing and mask-wearing, was dangerous and could undo the region's hard work staving off a surge of COVID-19, the area's top doctor says. Participating in a large group activity, unmasked, as cases are rising everywhere, is dangerous, Joyce Locke, Southwestern Public Health Medical Officer of Health, said in a statement. A single event such as the one held on Saturday has the potential to upend everything this region has worked towards and threatens the health and well-being of hundreds of residents. Saturday, people gathered in downtown Aylmer for what they call the Freedom March to protest COVID-19 limits. Emergency public health measures cap outdoor gatherings, even in public spaces, at 25 people. Photos of the rally protest to social media show a large group, including families with children not wearing masks or distancing. Oh my God, imagine. Despite acknowledging the crowds were violating emergency laws, Elmer Police Chief Zvonko Horvat said no charges were laid or tickets issued. We really do have to take that measured approach first before we take any action, he said. He said the rally was organized by a 43-year-old Elmer woman with whom police were in contact before the event. Southwestern Public Health which covers Elgin and Oxford counties, has seen a total of 309 COVID cases and five deaths. Aylmer has, by far, seen the largest number of cases, 88 in total, of any municipality served by the health unit. That puts the small town's COVID-19 case rate per 100,000 at 1,174.6. By comparison, Ontario's case rate is 479.2 per 100,000. Even a hotspot like Toronto doesn't reach Elmer's case rate, sitting at 808.9 per 100,000. Mayor Mary French described Saturday's rally as shocking, adding that she's worried it could trigger another jump in coronavirus cases. 
Our residents are very upset by this, she said. When these sorts of things happen in our community, it's so disheartening, she said. It makes our community look foolish, end quote. And then at the bottom of the article reads this. The local journalism initiative is funded by the government of Canada. What? This article is literally fake news by its own self-admission, funded by the government of Canada. And you know, when private businesses feature ads in newspapers that look like a news article, the words paid advertisement always appear at the top of the article. Shouldn't all articles being funded by the government read paid propaganda or at least paid for by the government before you get to the end of the article in the small print? Notice the insult directed at people because they've gathered for what he called a freedom march, quote-unquote, to protest COVID-19 limits. Well, freedom is the issue here, everybody. Not COVID-19, which is a non-issue as far as our political environment is concerned. And then notice how the article reports cases, not even as percentages, but as raw numbers. This is another way to lie to us. 1,174.6 per 100,000. Why would they write it that way? When I tried to calculate the percentage on my calculator, it came up to 0.00. So I had to turn on my floating decimal, giving me the result of 0.001174, or one-tenth of one percent. Or in other words, 0.00. Or the Ontario case rate, cited at 479.2 per 100,000, which equals 0.000479, or four-tenths, of one-tenth of one percent, or in other words, 0.00. Or the hotspot of Aylmer at 808.9 per 100,000, which works out to 0.000808, or eight-tenths of one-tenth of one percent, or in other words, 0.00. And remember, these are cases, not even hospital admissions or deaths. Most of these cases are asymptomatic and meaningless. Is all this worth destroying the millions and millions of lives that our politicians and medical bureaucrats are willing to do through shutdowns and COVID-19 terrorism? You know, they report Southwestern Public Health, which covers Elgin and Oxford counties, have seen a total of 309 cases and five deaths. Over what period of time? Since the beginning? Well, talk about 0.00000. So this is how they lie to us. And not only that, but force us to pay for their lies through our tax dollars. And now to add insult to our injuries, our next item was brought to my attention by listener Kathy M., who wrote, Hi Bob, the quote below actually got my blood boiling. Thought you might be interested. And the quote to which she was referring reads, They are lying, they are misquoting information, they do not have any ability to understand anything, but they pretend that they know something that nobody else knows, end quote. Well, Kathy, I have to say that it wasn't just that particular quote that got my blood boiling, but virtually every single word uttered by the person responsible for that quote. So coming up next on this side of our bumper, from an October 24th Windsor Star report, protesting COVID-19 measures just nonsense, says Windsor's top doc. The voice of that top doc, Dr. Wajid Ahmed, is one of the most insulting and sanctimonious pure elitist that I have ever heard in a long time. Switching gears, there is another rally scheduled for Sunday. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts. Uh, do you want to say anything to those that are holding this rally? No, I won't say anything to those because I think uh, if uh, those people have any 
sense in them. They will probably know what they're dealing with, but I'll definitely speak to the rest of the people who are, uh, who are looking at these events. All I can tell you is, uh, you know, it's uh, events like these, that's what puts everyone at risk. Any false sense of impression that anyone is getting that none of these measures or COVID measures are, are not, uh, uh, shouldn't be in place, the mask doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. It, people can make decisions on for, for their own. But if you are creating that culture and impression in the community, it goes beyond you. And then when more and more people are buying into this, that philosophy, it increases the risk to the community. And as much as, you know, I, I, I try to be respectful of everyone's opinion, but some of those comments are totally absurd. They are lying. They are misquoting any of those information and they do not have any ability to understand anything, but they pretend that they know something that nobody else knows and they are probably the smartest people in the world because they do not understand or they do not listen to uh, uh, an expert or a public health professional who has got training, who has got all those experience, the entire uh, organization with the expertise that is out there and they think, oh, I know more than them, but I never even went to any university or any school, but I read something on the Facebook or I, I heard someone say that it's just nonsense and uh, I, I really worry about these people that how these these individuals continue to share and uh, uh, um, but these type of messages and continue to propagate some of these messages and they're doing a complete disservice to the entire community by causing them uh, causing any kind of confusion or chaos and those confusion and chaos results in people not following those public health measures. And those measures then are, are not following those measures results in what we see or what we are seeing right now in US, what we are seeing right now in some of the other areas, countries when people are not listening to these measures. I'll, I, I, I wanna say a lot, but I'll just stop here. And I hope that people uh, will be smart enough to know what is happening and uh, when people are claiming that they are smart and they know what it, what they are doing I think it's just uh, you can see the difference Well, I promised I'd return to this issue of face masks, given that Daniel Andrews says he wants to open Victoria up to tourism by Christmas. Who's going to go to Victoria in the middle of summer to wear a face mask 24 hours a day? Amongst many epidemiological assertions, re-face masks, one of the most significant has been made by Dr James Meehan of Global Research, who argues correctly, and I quote, all over the world, bacterial pneumonias are on the rise. But then this, why might that be? because untrained members of the public are wearing medical masks repeatedly in a non-sterile fashion. They're becoming contaminated. They're pulling them off their car seats, off the rear view mirror, out of their pocket, from their countertop, and they're reapplying a mask that should be worn fresh and sterile every single time. Well, how true is that? Dr Babak Amin is amongst a group of Melbourne doctors disturbingly concerned about the Andrews government's response to coronavirus in particular to the compulsory wearing of masks. Dr Amin 
joins us. Dr. Amin, thank you for your time. I mean, when Andrew says compulsory masks, we're not talking medical masks, are we? No, Alan, we're not. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. We're talking about cloth masks, non-medical masks with no universal standards for their manufacture. We're talking about masks that when you look through the medical literature, play no role in stopping the spread of respiratory illnesses, none whatsoever. There is a significant body of evidence from years gone by looking at the role of these cloth masks in community settings with previous pandemics, in particular influenza pandemics of the last decade, because we know that influenza and SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID, have similar modes of transmission. And there is a, a raft of high quality data, what we call meta-analyses, studies that compile multiple other studies together. And these meta-analyses have found that non-medical masks in community settings play no role in protecting the wearer from infection or from stopping infected people from passing the infection on. So at the end of the day, I mean, I've read all of this sort of stuff and I never stop reading. I don't think Andrews or any of those people have read it. Who is advising this Daniel Andrews about the masks and the risks? Apparently nobody. I couldn't even begin to fathom who is doing that. And I would love to see what kind of data they are privy to that the rest of the broader medical Quiet. community that is speaking Quiet. out against this yeah. hasn't seen. Well, I've asked, doctor, I've asked a million times, put the, put the research on the table, put the epidemiological evidence on the table. I've read, and I know you have, this study on masks by Professor Christian Torp-Peterson from North Sealand Hospital in Denmark. Now, this is a good methodology, 6,000 in the study, and it shows the poor effectiveness of masks. And I'll quote the study, quote, we have listed multiple peer-reviewed studies from the medical literature which have both non-medical and surgical masks to be ineffective in arresting the spread of respiratory viruses. And it goes on, in keeping with this body of evidence, the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention, this is in America, does not recommend that people who are well wear a face mask, including respirators, to protect themselves from respiratory diseases, including COVID-19. Why... How can these people get away with conning the public into doing something that may be injurious to their health? Alan, the WHO also in their formal advice says that well people have, should not be wearing masks to try and arrest this pandemic. That Australia's own health department gives the same advice. But I'd just like to point out that we are dealing with the administration who dreamt up the omnibus bill. Yes. We are dealing with the people yes. who dreamt up the five kilometre radius and the 8pm curfew. Three draconian, unforgivable measures with no basis in scientific evidence whatsoever. And now they're trying to do it again with this mask mandate. It yes, is I mean, that study, that just, let me just, Doc, that study further cites that harms associated with universal mask wearing, and I quote, these harms can have deleterious health effects that are most pronounced in the elderly and the already infirm. Now, this is staggering that people are compulsory wearing masks that may, as I just said, be injurious to their health. That's what a universal mask mandate does. It causes, it confers no benefit and it actually can result in harm. But if I may, Alan, there's one really important point that I'd like to make. 
and that is at the moment in Melbourne we have an incredibly low prevalence of SARS-CoV-2 infection of, of COVID. We have 200 active cases in a city of 5 million citizens. That means two cases per 100,000 people. There is a high quality study, a meta-analysis that came out that estimated or concluded that wearing a mask in a community setting might give you about a 6% reduction in the risk of picking up a respiratory virus. Now, if you're getting a 6% reduction in risk for something that only occurs in two out of every 100,000 people, you would need to put a mask on 3.3 million Melburnians today just to prevent one positive PCR test. Mm. Not one hospitalization, not one death, one positive PCR That's test. It's disturbing, it's immensely disturbing. Here is a man who's governed this whole coronavirus response as a result, consequence of intellectual ignorance. I doubt the man has ever read anything. And of course, he's got all these lick spittles advising him so that they're telling him what he wants to hear. But my concern is that there are a whole heap of Melbourne people, Victorian people at risk. It's good to talk to you and we'll keep in touch. You can't give up on this. It's a battle we have to win. Good to talk to you. That's Dr. Thank Babak Amin of Melbourne. Notice that the second doctor, Dr. Babak Amin, actually talks about the medical factors involved in the COVID-19 shutdowns, whereas the first doctor from Windsor, Dr. Wajid Ahmed, clearly more a status bureaucrat than a doctor, never once offered any evidence or argument to counter the protesters. He merely insulted them and used an argument of authority and intimidation to make his case. And if there are any valid cases that should be counted, it's all the basket cases living among us who believe pure propaganda. And I would begin with the good doctor from Windsor. That doctor's comments were completely incoherent and utterly mindless. Since the obviously false propaganda that Dr. Ahmed was spreading via the Windsor Star is so representative of all the propaganda on this issue, it's worth a moment or two to examine each of his statements, both in terms of what was said and, more importantly, maybe what was not said, which was anything medical, really, so there's not much to say there. You know, he says, I won't say anything to those protesters because if those people had any sense in them, they would probably know what they're dealing with. To which I can only respond, they do know what they're dealing with, and you do not. You don't know what they're dealing with. And then he says, all I can tell you is it's events like these that put everyone at risk. Any false impressions that people are getting that the COVID measures shouldn't be in place, the mask doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. People can make decisions on their own, but if you're creating that culture and impression in the community, then it goes beyond you. And when more and more people are buying into that philosophy, it increases the risk to the community. That is a stunning statement. It's more than alarming. First, quote-unquote, events like these put no one at risk for anything. This, there's no evidence of this whatsoever. That's an outlandish statement. And it is not a false impression that the COVID measures shouldn't be in place or that the masks do not work. That's, that is a false falsity. <laughs> no free nation should ever allow a lockdown of this nature for any conceivable emergency that I can even possibly imagine. There is no pandemic. There never was. There is no second wave. Where is it? It's in the future, they tell us, although others say it's here right now. So who's causing the confusion? And if Dr. Ahmed actually believes that people can make decisions on their own, then why, he, why is he condemning them for doing so? And here's the kicker. If you are creating a culture and impression in the community, then it goes beyond you and more people are buying into that philosophy. It increases the risk to the community. 
Well, since nothing about COVID or viruses has anything to do with philosophy, then the only philosophy to which the doctor could possibly be objecting is the philosophy of freedom. Of the very freedom, he said, is supposed to be the right of everyone to exercise. You know, people can make their own decisions. And then, let's face it, that's all they're asking for is their freedom. They could care less about COVID-19. And then he says this, As much as I try to be respectful of everyone's opinion, some of those comments are pretty absurd. They are lying. They are misquoting the information. And they do not have any ability to understand anything, but they pretend that they know something that no one else knows and that they are probably the smartest people in the world because they do not understand or listen to an expert or public health professional who has got the training and and all the experience, the entire organization with the expertise. And they think, oh, I know more than them, but I've never been to any university or school. But I read something on Facebook, or I, oh man, I can't believe such BS coming out of a supposed official. That's, that's sinful. What a total jerk. Since the doctor's comments themselves are on Facebook and other social media, he's pretty well telling everyone to disbelieve him then, isn't he? Because of the particular platform his message is on? Look at All of the mainstream media are also on social media, for God's sake. And as soon as someone starts with a statement like, as much as I try to be respectful, then you know the rest of the statement will not be respectful. And boy, was it ever not. (laughs) Calling people he doesn't even know liars, stupid, and having no ability to understand anything is about as disrespectful as you can be, especially in light of the fact that the doctor himself has offered no examples or evidence of their lies or stupidity. And what information are the protesters misquoting? No examples. And then he says, they do not understand or listen to an expert or public health professional who has got training and all, all that experience. The entire organization with the expertise that is out there. And they think, oh, I'm, I know more than them, but I've never been to any university or school, but I read something on Facebook or I heard someone say that. You know... In every single freedom rally I've seen so far, and I've seen plenty, the most intelligent, articulate, and best informed people are always among the key speakers at such events. The speakers have included world-renowned specialists in their field of medicine, from doctors to epidemiologists to virologists and more. And after hearing their arguments and following through on them, they are the ones I've learned to trust. Not a word that comes out of the mouths of the establishment can be trusted unless one trusts in the negative, that is, yeah, I can trust them to lie 100% of the time, and that's what I do. That's how I operate. That's how I can tell the lies. If it's in the newspaper, it's BS. And you'll find the proof that it's BS within two days. Just look for it. Then he says, it's just nonsense. And I really worry about these people, that how these individuals continue to share these type of messages and continue to propagate some of these messages. And they are doing a complete disservice to the entire community by causing confusion and chaos. I can't, I can't believe he's saying that. He, basically, he's just projected everything he's doing. But even more bizarre is the fact that the World Health Organization itself has said shutdowns do not work and that healthy people should not be wearing masks. You want to talk about chaos? Who's causing all the confusion and chaos? This guy's supposed to be representing the World Health Organization. He's not even on their, on their page. Whose page is he on? Then he says, and the confusion and chaos results in people not following the public health measures and not following those measures result in what we see in the United States, what we are seeing right now in some other areas, countries when people 
are not listening to these measures. Wow. This statement is so evil, it's hard to find the right words to address it. For Dr. Wajid Ahmed, it is compliance and submission to authority that is all that he's after. And remember, when he cites results in the U.S., he's talking about the country that has done the most testing and therefore has the highest results of quote-unquote cases of the presence of a coronavirus, not deaths and hospitalizations. The government's own stats, both in the U.S. and Canada, make this very clear. As to the public health measures themselves, it is clear that they are being drafted by politicians, total imbeciles and incompetence, making up the most outrageous, contradictory, laughable, scientifically unsupportable measures that anyone could ever dream up. And these are measures that no longer affect merely the public sphere, but our private homes as well. They're telling us how many people we can meet with in private. This is so unconscionable obscene and reprehensible and evil. Dr. Ahmed should be ashamed of himself. He should resign immediately. Then he says, I want to say a lot, but I'll stop here and I hope that people will be smart enough to know what is happening. And when people are claiming that they are smart and that they know what they're doing, I think you can see the difference. What the hell is that supposed to mean? I sure can. I sure can see the difference. I just love to see this jerk face off against any of the experts and doctors who have been fighting for the truth against the lies that the government is promulgating. What makes this so-called doctor, who said nothing whatsoever that was medical or informative about any of the topics he raised, but what makes him so significant is that he's a perfect representation of the BS that is spewing daily, hourly, by the minute, from the mouths of mainstream broadcasters everywhere, to say nothing of the fake news newspapers that are doing the same thing. Is there any wonder that so many people who do not hear the voices that this doctor doesn't want them to hear are so frightened and submissive? Remember, the masks and COVID-19 lockdowns are a mere political distraction created to keep the public ignorant of the real fascist pandemic that paints the reality of this situation. And of that conspiracy, either Dr. Ahmed is ignorant or is complicit. And I tend to the latter. Nobody looks and sounds more foolish than the politicians and health bureaucrats spouting this garbage. Coming up next on this side of the bumper, here's Dan Dix from his October 27th Press for Truth show in conversation with Liberty Canada's Odessa Orowitz about the recent ludicrous regulations being imposed in Vancouver, British Columbia. And on the return side of the bumper, we'll be hearing Odessa making her submission to the City Council of Vancouver, and in doing so, she reads a letter written by Dr. Stephen Malthouse, a printed copy of which I have in my own possession, and will comment on when we return. Dan Dix here reporting for Press for Truth with another post-COVID-1984 update. As we're now seeing things like this, new health order limits number of guests allowed in private homes. As British Columbians grapples with record-breaking COVID-19 case numbers, officials have imposed new restrictions on gatherings inside private homes. So as you see, we're, we're, we're losing some of the authoritarian uh, incremental moves towards all-out tyranny, yet at the same time, We've been winning some of these battles in the incremental move towards all-out tyranny as we're now also seeing things like this. Vancouver Council rejects mask mandate, opts to strongly encourage them instead. The city of Vancouver will not be requiring masks inside municipal buildings after city councillors opted instead to strongly encourage mask wearing inside 
City facilities. And joining me on the line right now is one of the people who helped make this happen, Odessa Orowitz of Liberty Talk Canada. Odessa, thanks so much for joining us here today. I want to talk about the fact that you took it to the fight. You took the fight right to City Hall. You know, talk about hacking at the root of the problem where you need to take it. Um, so I want to get your views on how all that went down. But before we talk about that, maybe we could get a little bit into this new law coming from Dr. Bonnie Henry that suggests that they only want you to be able to have six house guests in your private home. Uh, what did you think of, what, what were your th initial reaction when you first heard this new rule yesterday from Dr. Bonnie Henry? Well, it's not a surprise because all of us in the truther movement that read and understand everything going on prior to 2020, we already knew that a second lockdown was going to come and we knew this before the first one happened. Um, and that is all because of what's truly going on, which has nothing to do with masks. Uh, I also noticed that there seems to be a war going on between people that want to uphold the law and, and continue to use science to make decisions um, against media and Agenda 2030. And that's actually what's going on. This is no longer a conspiracy theory. Uh, there is a document, a B6 document that just went out from city council. Uh, wanting everyone to vote on doing Agenda 2030 here in Vancouver. And three months ago, when I tried to tell people, they're like, that's a conspiracy theory. Well, no, it's not because it's here. And you can ask city council, they're voting on bringing it in or not. Um, so what I thought was they were shocked, meaning health authority and all the masters above Bonnie Henry, that it didn't get passed. And so it took not only protesters outside that have done thousands of hours of reading between all of them about what's really going on um, and doctor's letters being written to City Hall to these people saying masks are, are bunk and has nothing to do with any of this. And in fact, cloth masks cause more damage than actually good. And we can go on and on. The doctors say cloth masks in surgery, they did a whole, um, a whole investigation in the hospitals. Cloth masks made the people around them and the person having surgery on them more likely to get an infection. Wearing cloth masks than nothing. So what happened was it wasn't mandated. But let's be honest, Dan, like what they're going to do now is as soon as this happened and it was announced, it's not mandated, boom, the masters send Bonnie Henry on who looks worn out, looks upset. She is just being strung along by the guys above her. Um, and she had to say, oh, now everybody has to wear masks inside all the time. So that was her response to the law being upheld because media wants it to say wants to say oh no 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 don't listen to that bonnie henry says and the media says you must mask inside so any little inch of truth that we got out there of upholding the law mm -hmm. they're trying to just smack down with this media announcement so now when you go onto city property everyone's going to be confused right that's what they want and then they're going to probably have a big sign that says please wear a mask right i, I bet they will and they just they'll just see who knows their rights or not. You have five minutes. To, I'm sorry. Can you hear you me? Have five minutes to speak to the council. I can't. Can you hear me? 
Yes. Great. You, I just wanted to let you know you have five minutes to speak to city council. There may be questions for you afterwards. I'll let you know, and I'll start your timer now. Okay, so if I had more than five minutes, I could actually quote hundreds and hundreds of doctors writing these letters, not only to Bonnie Henry, but all over the world. I've been studying the mask phenomena for about four months now as I'm a mother, and uh, I've been spending about eight hours a day as a journalist tracing back to why these cities want to all of a sudden mask. But I will start instead with a open letter to Dr. Bonnie Henry she received from Dr. Stephen Malthouse, and he is an MD here in British Columbia. I'm gonna uh, go over his points and with the rest of the time, I'm gonna talk about all the people, including Bonnie Henry, um, who actually advised not to mask. And then the lobby groups came in and took over. So here is the letter. Dear Dr. Henry, I'm a physician who has been in family medical practice in BC for more than 40 years and a member of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of BC since 1978. I'm writing this letter with the hope that you will be able to clarify the basis of your decision-making that has led our provincial government, health ministry, regional health officers, hospitals, medical staff, WorkSafe BC, businesses, and everyday citizens to follow pandemic policies that do not appear based on any high quality scientific research and in fact appear to be doing everyone a great deal of harm. The epidemiological evidence clearly shows that the pandemic is over and no second wave will follow. The evidence has been available for at least four to five months and is irrefutable. Yet in spite of this substantial body of research, your office, is, your office is perpetuating, along with the city, the narrative that a pandemic still exists and a second wave is expected. This false story is being used to justify public health policies that appear to have no health benefits, have already caused considerable harm and threat to create more harm in the future. And I, as a mother, can say that this has really screwed up my kids. I'm gonna go on. Dr. Lawrence Rosenberg, Montreal's medical officer, has stated that COVID virus is much like the seasonal flu. And I will add personally that Dr. Fauci actually said that on CNN. A group of over 400 Belgian doctors has stated COVID is not a killer virus, but a treatable condition. 18 Canadian doctors wrote the Ontario Premier Doug Ford stating your policies risk significantly harming our children with lifelong, hold on, consequences. The Ontario policies are very similar to those of British Columbia. Specifically, there appears to be no scientific or medical evidence for self-isolation of asymptomatic people, social distancing, and face masks. Arbitrary closure of businesses, closure of schools, daycares, parks, amenities, and playgrounds, the discontinuance of access to education, medical, dental, chiropractic, naturopathic, hearing, dietary, therapeutic, and other support for the physically and mentally disabled particularly special needs children with neurological disorders, how you want to mask children that have autism at school is criminal. The closing down of the restrictions on religious places of worship. Also, according to the CDC pandemic severity index, none of these measures have been warranted. The Great Barrington Declaration signed by more than 30,000 health scientists, which I, I, I think that you guys should research before doing this, and medical doctors from around the world add support for this statement. Why are you using PCR testing, Bonnie Henry? The Deputy Chief Medical Officer for Health in Ontario has publicly stated that the PCR test yields over 50% false positives. This is the only basis for you trying to create a second wave by testing more. A New York Times investigative report found that PCR testing yields up to 90% false positive due to excessive amplification beyond the recommendations of the manufacturer. Why has City Hall not researched this themselves? 
Is somebody lobbying you guys? We feel there is. The PCR test was never designed, intended, or validated to be used as a diagnostic tool in the Alberta Health Services. COVID-19 scientific advisory group has stated clinical sensitivity and specificity values have not been determined for lab-developed RT-PCR testing in Canada. Even the mainstream news in America is talking about these PCR tests never being designed to, to uh, detect something called COVID-19. Despite expert consensus, you continue to use this inappropriate and inaccurate test to report so-called cases and justify your decisions. The public health definition of a case is very broad. As all experienced doctors know, a case is a patient with significant symptoms who's often hospitalized. A quote-unquote case is not a person who simply has a questionably positive PCR test and presents with no symptoms. And in fact, the Canadian government is encouraging people to go get tested so that they can count more cases. We've spent millions of dollars on taxpayer money bringing in these tests. They know our bunk. So all of this is a scam and a fraud, and it's actually political um, virtue signaling because once Theresa Tam found out that the Bill Gates Society... Wow, democracy at work, right? <laughs> That's your time. Well, fortunately, we still have a bit of time left to go because you are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Now, I do have to note that in her conversation with Dan Dix, Odessa Orowitz described how the City Hall Council meeting was conducted, and that's a COVID joke in and of itself. Long story short, apparently she was offered the option of addressing the City Council by phone from her home or come to City Hall directly. But when she opted to go to City Hall directly, she discovered that they would put her in an enclosed booth, isolated from everyone, and that she would still have to make her submission by phone from inside the booth. <laughs> so naturally, the message was clear, stay at home. And if this demonstrates anything, it is that Vancouver's politicians, like our own here in Ontario, and like your own any place around the world you may be, are completely disconnected from reality and totally connected to the New World Disorder. But since I've got a copy of the same letter that Odessa was reading to her city council, I can continue with the most salient points of that letter written by Dr. Stephen Malthouse, roughly from the point where she was cut off. And I quote, Your public announcements repeatedly emphasize that the case counts are rising and that we are in big trouble. Recently, out-of-control case counts were used to justify a second lockdown in Ontario and Quebec. Curfews have been put into place. People are being asked to risk their livelihoods to make sacrifices for the general good based on public health's misrepresentation of cases as sick people. Meanwhile, hospitalizations, ICU admissions, and deaths from COVID-19 have dropped to pre-pandemic levels. Where are all the patients? Why not simply tell the public that? One, the PCR testing is not reliable and is meaningless for diagnosing COVID-19. Two, positive PCR test results do not represent sick patients. Three, rarely are people now becoming ill from SARS-CoV-2. Four, provincial hospitals are essentially empty of COVID-19 patients. Five, decisions should not be based on cases in the news. Six, the morbidity and mortality of COVID-19 has not exceeded seasonal influenza. 7. The median age of death from COVID-19 in Canada was 85 years. 8. The pandemic is over. 9. No second wave is coming. 10. It is your duty as the provincial health officer to provide facts, 
not propaganda. You must make every effort to stop the public panic. The only reason for emphasizing cases is to induce more fear and thereby compliance in the name of promised safety. The excess death toll from partial lockdowns, social distancing, and other public health measures is staggering. How is it possible that a doctor with your previous training and experience did not anticipate the collateral damage of your public health policies? The mainstream media has created a religion out of public health, one based on superstition, not science, with the power to rule over an obedient public. The news channels have raised you to almost saint-like status. Yet your public directives do not make sense, contradict the research, and are causing people a great deal of harm. As a fellow doctor, I appeal to you to re-examine your policies and change direction before public health causes irreparable damage to our province's health and economic well-being. That about-face will require you to meet the obligations of your office. Sincerely, Stephen Malthouse, M.D., Member, College of Physicians and Surgeons of British Columbia, Denman Island, British Columbia. End quote. And now, here's Stephen Malthouse himself in conversation with Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson on her show of October 27. Somebody here in British Columbia, whom I admire and uh, respect greatly, decided that uh, they would speak up and at great risk and great peril personally, uh, decided that they would put out a public letter. And so I would like to welcome Dr. Stephen Malthouse to this uh, interview. And thank you, Dr. Stephen, for being here. Thanks very much for inviting me. So what basically led you to the place where you said, I, I'm not only going to be silent in the background knowing that uh, this is, you know, really concerning what's going on, but I'm actually going to speak up. What happened? Well, it's been a bit of a process. It started off back in the early days in, in March. Um, we noticed that uh, uh, we weren't really prepared, particularly our elderly people in, in homes and so on, for the onset or onslaught of, uh, of a deadly coronavirus and um, at that time I started collecting material on nutrition and sending that up the line to uh, different people including Dr. Bonnie Henry our our provincial health officer here it went to long-term care home supervisors and it went to our local uh, medical director at the hospital but nobody seemed interested Dr. Henry didn't respond to me it was about using vitamin D vitamin C trying to improve the nutrition and therefore the immune systems of people that were vulnerable that would be in long-term care homes and also elderly in general. So what I, I came to the conclusion that the pandemic is really over. We haven't seen anything that, that really resembles a second wave. We do seem to have uh, something which is missing, which is uh, flu cases. We don't know where the flu has gone this year. And um, our, our, my concern is that we may have uh, flu cases and coughs and colds and influenza-like illness occurring in the fall, and those will be labeled. COVID because of a faulty PCR test. Anyway, eventually it came to the point where no one was listening and uh, writing a letter to Body Henry was uh, the best thing to do, I thought, and I decided to make it an open letter so we could have some debate about these topics. I think well, that the policies are, are really do not make sense and uh, we need some people to, uh, to tell us what is the science behind these policies. And what about the concern that there's all of this testing? Like right now, it seems like because there's more testing and there's more positives, that that is being used as another reason to to begin some you know lockdown measures. Not as severe here in BC 
as in Ontario and Quebec, which has gone crazy. Um, but, you know, what do you think about that? Well, these policies are not based on people being hospitalized or being really sick or ICU admissions or deaths. They're based on cases. The cases are themselves based on having a positive PCR test. So uh, we're calling this a case-edemic rather than a pandemic because all the decisions are being justified by the number of cases that we're seeing. Now, if you do a lot of testing, you're going to find there are a lot of people who are asymptomatic who may have been exposed uh, to the SARS-CoV-2 virus sometime in the past, and they may come up as a positive case. So we're measuring our, how would you say, our um, degree of risk by the number of cases we're seeing in the community. And we're having a, a lot of testing going on. People that aren't, aren't sick are coming back with positive tests. But you know, underlying this whole thing is the PCR test. And the PCR test was never intended to be a, a diagnostic test. Uh, the person that, that uh, invented that test, Kerry Mullis, he died last year. I'm sure if he was still around, he would say it again. But in the past, he has said that it was not intended to be used for diagnostic purposes. And yet that is the main test that we, we based all our COVID uh, diagnoses upon. Right. And so, I mean, it just stuns all of us. And we it makes us wonder what's really going on. If, if this is, I mean, what you're saying, I've heard from other expert doctors across the world. And it's such a shocking thing, and it's so common sense. Why are we doing this? It just does not make sense. So it makes you wonder what the agenda is for public health here. It doesn't appear to me that it's in the best interest of, of the populace. If we, if we count the number of deaths that have occurred from suicides, from overdoses, and we've doubled our overdoses in British Columbia in the last four to five months. When you look at that, we look at the destruction that's on its way from the psychological effects of masking children and also masking adults, but particularly masking children, how it's going to interfere with their ability to learn, the ability to socialize, the ability to have healthy, full lives. I mean, we're looking at a disaster. We haven't even experienced that. So we're going to have a second wave, all right, but it's going to be a second wave of disaster caused by these policies. And to think that we should go into another lockdown, when we've looked all around the world, we look in the United States, we looked in Europe, we've looked uh, everywhere, and you cannot find any evidence that lockdowns worked. All they right. did was made sicker, poorer, and starve them. Everything is being driven by fear here, and it's become a almost a hysteria. People are frightened. They, they think this is a really deadly virus. Even young people are walking around with masks on the street, driving their cars with masks on. And those masks, you know, I mean, who can think that a mask policy works? If you ever see, walk down the street and see what people are doing with their masks, they've got them under their noses, they're grabbing them in their hands, they've got them around the wrists, they're in their pockets, they're hanging from their mirrors of their cars. They're touching them constantly on the outside. And we know that, so, so they're completely contaminated to start with. Secondly, we know that people drop their oxygen tensions in their blood and increase their carbon dioxide by wearing masks. OSHA, which is monitors this in the, in the United States, is it has clearly stated that anyone who's going to wear a mask for any prolonged period of time, which they don't even recommend, needs to be tested and fitted for a mask and taught how to use a mask properly. So to, to put out some kind of a blanket statement that people should wear masks in public and it's now expected, not a policy, right? Expected 
is completely crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It goes completely against the science and it goes against common sense. Just look around. If, if, and in the communities, people are wearing masks now and you see a couple of frightened eyes over the top because we've, we're starting to walk around master like a billboard for fear, teach, giving people the message subliminally that there is something out there they cannot see that is dangerous. And if people believe that asymptomatic uh, people can transmit, how do you get out of that one? It, it means that everybody is potentially contagious at all times because you'll never know when you're, when you're going to give it to somebody. So you're in a bind there that you'll never get out of. It just does not make sense from a science or a medical perspective. We're actually in a lot of fear and terror. And I, I know personally, I am not in fear and terror, but my friends and the people around me are. The people that I see walking through the streets that are masking, you know, even when they're out on an empty road and they're just walking down with their children now, more and more children in masks. And you, you see that there is a level of fear that has come over everybody that uh, that is not warranted and you do not see dr bonnie henry doing anything to stop this yes you know fear is a great motivator it sort of bypasses the thinking part of your brain it goes to the amygdala and it's a fight or flight reaction so if people do that that's the way to control the, the, the masses is to keep them in a constant state of fear and of course it's the summer was a bit of a problem right because people weren't getting sick during the summer so we, it was hard to show people uh, hospital wards and emergency rooms and icus so we put masks on everybody, and now we, we're giving the impression again that people are have something to, to be frightened of. The concern is that we're going to be moving into a phase where people have a, a delusion, a, almost a psychotic delusion of danger, in which case you cannot convince them otherwise. It's a bit like, as a doctor, having someone who has paranoid schizophrenia or paranoia in your office. There's no way that you can convince them through reason that there's not someone listening to their thoughts. And if we move into that stage, we won't need police. We won't need the, we don't need soldiers or army on the street. We'll have people policing themselves because they will actually believe there's a danger out there. And uh, when it doesn't matter what reality is, uh, that will be a fixed delusion and that will be very hard to unseat. Why do we need a vaccine for a 99.76% recovery? Good point. We don't need a vaccine. And we certainly don't need to vaccinate young people. And when you get to old people, uh, elderly, you know, they don't respond to vaccines very well. So how is it gonna work for them? You know, we do not need a COVID-19 vaccine. Finished. I concur wholeheartedly. Everything I've been seeing and reading about flu vaccines is bad news, especially when you see who the drug pushers are. And of course, the coming mandatory vaccines will be our next political battleground against the globalist dictators. And since about March of this year, I have devoted more than 30 of our weekly broadcasts completely to some aspect of the COVID-19 terrorist attack. Over the course of those programs, I featured the voices of dozens of highly respected and trained and educated and experienced epidemiologists, virologists, doctors, and specialists in the field of viruses and other contagious diseases. Generally speaking, these are the same voices that the many protesters against the COVID-19 lockdowns have been citing in their protests. They are lying, they are misquoting any of those information, and they do not have any ability to understand anything, but they pretend 
that they know something that nobody else knows and they are probably the smartest people in the world because they do not understand or they do not listen to uh, uh, an expert or a public health professional who has got training, who has got all those experience and they think, oh, I know more than them, but I never even went to any university or any school, but I read something on the Facebook or I, re I heard someone say that. Uh, it's just nonsense. Remember Dr. Wajid Ahmed? Such arrogance. Such ignorance. Compare his insulting kill the messenger comments with the thousands of doctors and specialists around the world who are being censored and ostracized for telling the truth. For actually talking about the medical issues and concerns involved. Not talking about obeying retarded orders and commands from truly stupid people. Only six house guests allowed in our homes to prevent the spread of a virus? Why allow any? Why not seven? Why not five? This is beyond irrational. Any doctor who thinks that these restrictions have any impact at all on viral spreads should have his license removed and never be allowed to practice again. What they are doing is immoral. I would not hesitate to jail the entire bunch for life because they have participated in the conscious destruction of the lives of millions. There simply is no way to right this injustice, but we can and must start by isolating them from the rest of society that they seek to control. Dr. Wajid Ahmed could just as easily have been the voice of any government or state health care bureaucrat of any jurisdiction in the world. But there's our choice, isn't it? But the most utterly amazing thing about these nutty regulations are the nutty people who simply comply without even an ounce of resistance. If nothing else, we should all now understand why everything from a Hitler to a Trudeau is possible. Welcome to the new world of orders and compliance. It is vital that we all continue to unmask the irrational masquerade that everyone seems to be so willing to submit to. In a way, I hate having to do this, but the media and our political masters have not only abandoned all their responsibilities and duties to the people, but... They are the people's number one enemy. This will continue for the foreseeable future. So it's up to an army of the little people, people just like you and me, to do the job that is necessary to the survival of our freedom. And that is a task that we shall endeavor to continue as we invite you to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. To black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright Sergeant Schultz Major Major Schnitzra Luftwaffe Medical Corps Have orders to inoculate you Onto Colonel Klink Something to do with the new post you're going to Inoculation? With a needle? Of course, now where can I do this? Uh, <laughs> Major I am on guard duty. I cannot leave my post. Never mind that. We can go in here. It'll only take a minute. You'll be back on duty immediately. But, Major, I cannot stand needles. Uh, whenever I see a needle, I faint and fall down. You fall down? That would be a very interesting phenomenon to observe. Come. Right. <sighs> Woo, 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 woo,
There, I told you it wouldn't hurt. You know, with all that blubber, I thought I'd have to use radar to find the vein. Now, just relax. I want you to start counting backwards from 100. Just want to be sure the inoculation's working. 100, 99, 98, 98. What comes after 98? Sleep. <laughs> 